0: But, you know, whatever works. That's what I've been doing so far, but uh, who knows? So, well, sweet. Yes, sir. Well, let's get started. With us today on Origin Stories, Journey to America, we have one of the guests I've been looking most forward to interviewing, actually. Andre, he runs this podcast called Ponytails. He wrote a book, which is displayed behind him if you're watching this on video, The cost of citizenship, it's going to be a pretty good one. Our, my business coach, Will Metcher, the sponsor of this podcast as of today and the motivator behind it, he mentioned Andres to me when I brought up the idea that I wanted to start a podcast, his, I mean, as you know, Andres, how Will gets when he gets excited, he got like all bright and all like face lit up. He's like, you need to talk to my buddy, Andres. And he was telling me a little bit about your story. And when I asked him, I was like, hey, what's like one of your bi- biggest things about Andres? How would you describe him to people? He said, you have the most positive energy and enthusiasm about you. And then you back it up with how you perform and how you go about your life. Like it's not just like all ruru and happiness, but you actually get after it and do things to make it happen
1: to go on along with that energy. So wow. really, a, really expecting great things today. The kind of human I like, you know how pe- you're, you you think of heroes and you have mm-hmm. your idols, you know your Michael Jordans and your whatever. But then you also have like your real life people, you know. They're like, wow, like so if I if I can just rub off on you a little bit, or mm-hmm. excuse me, if you could rub off on me a little bit, and you know just if I can be a little bit of of, of you and learn mm-hmm. from you, Will's one of those people in my life where I'm like, I just if if he talks, I'm, I am I wish i had a notepad every time he said yeah. words, you know. He's just an awesome dude. So the fact that he said that, man, thank you so much, Will. Love you lots, buddy. <laughs> He's the amazing, best. amazing person. If
0: anyone listening to this doesn't know Will, they should connect with him and meet Will. Yeah, so yeah, Im-
1: immediately, like, immediately. Stop yeah, come back and listen to this later. Go stop. to Instagram. Go, hire him. In. yeah, and then come back. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. So, Andres,
0: you're you're living in America. You're in Portland, Oregon, right? Sir. Yes, sir. In yes, Portland, sir. Oregon, West yes. Coast, big F1 fan, Formula One, huge 100%. fan of that. Like 100%. You're loving that. You have a podcast. This is like your full-time gig, which I think would be awesome. And we could probably spend hours just asking you questions about how you did that and what you do there. But you're running a pretty successful podcast, interviewing people from Southwest not consulting, right? Or is it consulting technically?
1: No, no, no it's advantage. Like the the book company. I could we the can talk company. about that yeah. or if, you, if you want to. We'll hit on that probably towards the end here, but, but you run a podcast sure.
0: doing that. You've been in the States since you were, how old were you when you came to the States?
1: I was seven. I was seven years old. Seven years about old. To
0: be, okay. Uh, almost eight. So in your book, the cost of citizenship, I didn't realize you were seven. I thought you were like low teens, to be honest, with how much you experienced <laughs> and what you wrote about. So let's kind of start at the beginning, pre US then, go all the way back there. Because obviously, yeah. we get to see kind of like a, what we talked about earlier. It's like when you see an org, when you see someone doing great things, we see them at that moment, but we miss out on all the things that got them there. So let's talk about some of the things that got you to where you are and how you're crushing it life. And you mentioned this in your book, and I was talking about this earlier. Columbia, am I pronouncing it right? Or okay, yeah, its good. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right. So, Philson, you're born and raised Columbia, or how, or born up to seven, or Philson?
1: Well, first of all, I should say thank you for the introduction and the the. Um, I always, I always used to talk about this when I was growing up, and the way that the, the book even became became a thing was mm-hmm. because I used to do public speaking about it, and every okay. time I would open up for talks on the on the book or on the story, I'd always say, man, it's hard to pick a beginning, just because you know life is just kind of interesting where it. It just kind of happens to you. So you could always be like, life started when I was born. Cool. That's where the story begins. But really, to give context to the story for people who might not be as aware or who haven't watched Narcos, you could go back and say that the real cause to the effect that is the story of my book was the war that was going on in Colombia. So Colombia has been war ridden for well, I mean, I guess it officially, quote unquote, ended, you know, in the mid 2010s, but it had been at war for decades i mean it had been like the longest civil unrest i think it was like the longest of unrest in the history of recorded his like humanity where there was it's like 60 years of civil war just going back and forth and through the complications of the narco trafficking and the political the you know ag- agendas of different parties things were kind of It wasn't just like a one like here where the civil war in the united states was between the north and the south it wasn't a two-sided thing it was like a five-sided thing where there was different people trying to grab power and different ones of those groups had different amount of power as things kind of developed through the drugs that ended up becoming you know what we became known for in the late 80s and 90s so or really all of the late 20th century but the reason I'm saying all this is because that's important to the story because my dad was a, a, a business owner. So he was an entrepreneur. He went to school for business and through different ventures, and this is making a long story short, through different ventures ended up owning a quarry, I think is what they're called. So it's where you make, so there's mountains, take explosives, turn it into sand, grind it, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then that turns into construction, which is really lucrative in Colombia because a lot of the construction out there is out of brick. So mm-hmm. it, it's like it's like the equivalent of having a like a lumber business here in Portland, right? Or, or in the northwest. It's just it's very a lot of opportunity. And mm-hmm. so so that was happening. I, I was born in Bogota, Colombia and it's the capital and the the south side we weren't we didn't really come from much money. Both my parents lost their father. So they were kind of raised by single mothers type of stuff, like just really poor in a poor country, right? And so, but my dad started making it. They went to school and my mom also went to school for accounting and she was, she. they kind of worked their way. So the the, the story, really the book is more of a, a, a tribute to my parents. It's not really about me. It's more just about what their sacrifice was, but they worked, they worked really, really hard and they kept their noses clean, which is hard to do when you come from, Colombia, from South Bogota, you know, in a in a well, really from Colombia in general. <laughs> but How, yeah, where, where, where did they go to school? Like what uh, college LaSalle, did they go to? Lasalle, Lasalle, Sal, La Salle University, okay. and that's actually well, they had met before, but that's where they first like started dating. Was in college, and they they you know they knew each other from the neighborhood, but they didn't really like know each other romantically until they went to college, and so, they, they, so yeah, so. You go, yeah, go ahead.
0: Sorry, right, One other question. Were they the first of their like families to
1: ever go to college or like first of the, like neighborhood almost? Or did there a lot of education um, in the family growing up? No, there was. Uh, so Well, for my, my mom, yes, because she was the oldest. My dad was the youngest and it's two, one, two, three of his siblings were older that, that were older went to college and so okay, um, cool. it wasn't like a, a new thing for them but the business side of things he he was very smart business wise back then and it, it just and things were also kind of difficult so uh, relatively right to to mm-hmm. other people he was getting work done but you know still lots of things a lot of ways to go up that ladder in colombia anyway so so <clears throat> in 1997 or eight ish the, the there was the drug cartels were really kind of spread out. Pablo Escobar had been killed and defeated in early '90s, and so that left a giant vacuum of power to be taken because of the dark dr- drug trafficking. And so one of the one of the p- uh, groups that kind of really took strength in that or took advantage of that was the FARC. So the the F A R C, which stands for Fuerzas Armadas Revolucionarias de Colombia or the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. So these guys would be kind of like ISIS Mm -hmm. today or, you know, Al-Qaeda. But instead of terrorism from the standpoint of just like uh, religious terrorism and, you know, attacking countries, they were just more communist, like looking for taking or overthrowing the government, which is corrupt anyway. There was like no good guys really.
0: From your book, I got the idea that like we have one political party that's running the country that's but gar- just not great not not motivated for the people and then you have this rebel group that's not motivated for the people either which as a citizen and how how do you live in that type of world where you have two people fighting for power that don't really
1: neither one really cares about well to be honest with you <laughs> and not to get political in here but it's kind of like the 2020 election where it's just like or the 2016 election where you're just kind of looking at it going well I, are we allowed to cuss on this? Are, are you? Explicit? You can do whatever you want. Well, okay. It's kind of like you're looking at like, well, we're fucked both ways, right? You're you're looking at it from like, well, if we go with this guy, yikes, and if we go with this lady, yikes, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? There's it's just so you just kind of choose between the, the, the lesser of two evils, kind of a way. The government wasn't outwardly murdering people. <laughs> it and was or was God. not. Was not okay. It was not versus like Fark was actually like you know putting neck bombs on people and then the news would display it. And yeah. I, remember, I, mean, I remember being a kid watching it on TV and like people like getting blown up. Wow. Well,
0: you destroying a story in your book and I was just like jaw dropping of like how is this guy doing what anything and like just functioning the way he is. Like, it was impressive, like, seeing that at such a young age. Now knowing <laughs> now knowing how young you were even, I'm like, wow, that's a lot to see at
1: such a young age. And, prof- yeah, and it's funny because I had people who commented on the book afterwards and they're like, it's kind of graphic. I, I don't know if I can show this to my kid. And I'm like, listen, you know how privileged you have to, to be to be able to say that you don't want to show your child a story about a child who went through that like that yeah. was my life it's, yeah if i had to go through it your kid's okay to read it dude get get over it your kid's 15. It, the world sucks you know i mean
0: i mean I, is I, it, i'm not negative <laughs> no it brings such a better appreciation of what america is like I, I mean that's one of the motivations behind the podcast is being like do you realize how blessed and privileged you are to be in a world yeah. where you don't have to see people blowing up around you or see family members get threatened like I know that stuff happens in America but you don't see it every day it's not common like your book kind of makes it seem like it's not all the time but common
1: if you will right it wasn't weird to get kidnapped right like when you you know it was there was like a there was like a thing where you you know there there was extra you know how like when you go in a big city and there's like the pressure of 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 like hey make sure you keep your purse you know next Mm -hmm. to you make sure you keep your wallet in your front pocket just because that's mm-hmm. just the way it is when you go on the subway in New York or whatever, the big cities, right? Same thing when you go out, you know, hey, make sure, you know, <laughs> you don't do this because you might end up kidnapped or whatever. And people, th- th- that was a very common way of getting money and funding themselves with for the FARC was that you would go and, you know, kidnap someone, especially mm-hmm. someone's kid or relative that had some influence or money. And just you would return them for the... Ransom, and then that's how they would fund a lot of their operations.
0: Who, who funded the FARC? Was it for the <laughs> communism? Was it
1: just? Great yeah. So, so that was one way. The drugs was another way. So, one of the things that that narcos found with the the FARC was that they had a common need for money, and the narcos had a common need for protection. Right, and so there was this almost like a like a the enemy of my enemy is your friend, which is the government. Mm-hmm. It's right, the enemy would the common enemy would be the government trying to crack down on these people as best as yeah. it could with its own corruption. But but that that was funded that way. And so when they found when Pablo died and all these like all these billions of dollars were up for grabs in the form of continuing the production, that was one way. Of course, the kidnappings were. The, those were probably the two primary ways. But then also our neighbor over to the east, there Mr. Chavez or like really Venezuela's. Government mm-hmm. in general, which was more—it was a dictatorship—who you know they believe in the communism agenda of FARC—and so a lot of like weapons and stuff would, would be a, a way that that would get funded. Now, if you look at a history book, well enough you you'd find that information, but you know this is just it's the kind of just stuff where it was common knowledge that you would know. It's like that's definitely coming. <laughs> like there's of course there's you know, or if they needed to run away, they would they would find refuge in like if there was like a known person that was about to get caught, they'd run to Venezuela and be like, I'm safe here so there <laughs> different ways for sure and anyway oh by the way and as i'm saying this the people might be listening and going oh my god this is not but my book when i when i when i wrote this uh, when, i one of the first things that people that i had a coach to help me write this and one of the first things that they told me was who are you writing this for and you might think that the natural response would be immigrants right for them to for the And I was like, no, this is for white people. (laughs) This is for people who like the people that you're trying to reach, the audience that you have, because, and the only reason I'm saying this is because my story you it, it, you might think is special or it's amazing because well it's not it really is it's just common it's one of millions right because i yeah. just was one of the few that wrote about it or the could and had the mm-hmm. fortune and and the and the, uh, and the ability from a financial standpoint to write and publish about it but there are millions of people that have this or even more insane or unbelievable mm-hmm. experiences that would shock the world if they could just come out and so i'm I'm saying this because when you mentioned earlier the 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 story is is wild and jaw-dropping like you mentioned but it's like man it, to us it was just a tuesday you know it was yeah just like, like we're just this is happens every day like it's it's happening all over the world right now and so yeah. i just wanted to drop that because I, I was like make sure you mention that it's not my yeah. it's not that my Story special it's just i just was the one of the few that i was able to mm-hmm. say hey this is what happens
0: And I think that's, yeah, yeah,
1: you hit the nail right on the head there too. Like, this is the reason we have this podcast is so
0: much, like most of Americans are like myself, we're fourth, fifth generation. We've been here, our families have been here for centuries, but like, if we were able to go back and interview our parents who came here from another country, uh, and this is something I've observed even more and more as I started asking guests to be on the podcast they weren't coming here because they were like, oh, America sounds, my life over here is really great and America sounds pretty cool. So I'm just gonna go there because it sounds cool. Like there was a very large pain point where they were to bring them over here. And
1: that's been, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, again, that that's a big part about this, so. And and this is like, I mean, we can get back to the story, but on that, you know, the, what we, I mean, on the news, you just saw the, the semi truck that was just found in san antonio with like the 50 people that were dead wow. inside suffocated mm-hmm. and so that was the best the better option than where they were that's that's how that happened right so even and, and if you think about like your ancestors or ancestors is a strong word your great-grandpa or yeah. whatever you know go, however if you're listening you're whoever a generation up recently mm-hmm. the 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 trip was not any easier. It was different. Like great if you have German heritage, right? You had to come through a ship across the fucking Atlantic in in, in the 20s. That's a, that's not like a fun trip. It's not like, "Oh, we're going on a cruise." Not cruise line. We're going to land a, in the whole and this is great yeah. tan. There's oh, there's a comedian that's performing on Thursday on the way to America. No, that's not how it works. It sucked. It sucked for everybody. And you had to pick up and let alone like the the leaving who you are behind, which is really the 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 difficulty of being an immigrant. People don't really put themselves in that sh- in those shoes. But imagine if and when, I don't know, can't say it, not to get political again, but this country goes to shit. Because every country does at some point. It could mm-hmm. be next year, it could be in a hundred years. I don't know, but at some point the United States is not gonna be this, right? Because mm-hmm. just, first of all, read a book, right? Greeks, yeah. Romans, Ottomans. At some point, it's You'll over. Go listen to hardcore history. You'll learn. Read a book, not in our education system, but mm-hmm. an actual history book. Yeah. <laughs> what happens to empires? They just go away because life happens, right? Mm-hmm. And humans happen and things just get destroyed, and that's okay. So before the US, it was England. Woohoo. And then, right? Then after this, there's going to be somebody yeah. else, probably China, Russia. I don't know. But it's going to be, maybe it's their turn again. I don't know. But at some point, it's going to end. And at some point, imagine that that's next year. And so what happens is you now have to go elsewhere to make sure that your children eat or that your wife or your husband is alive or that you are alive because of whatever reason right Mm -hmm. and so now it's not again it's not like it's a cruiser you're going to just take or you're going to just take american airlines over to like whatever country is thriving now because that's where the opportunity is it it's it's hard you have to leave behind this if you are a fan of college football you don't get to watch college football like you used to or if you're a fan of the the if you're if it's july 4th you don't get a holiday that day Mm -hmm. in that country you got your cousins your neighbors your friends your brothers and sisters your your grandparents your parents you it's see ya and then who knows when i'll see you again like it it it, it it's, it's 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 not easy to choose to leave that's the first thing that people don't realize like Despite it being a shithole, and despite because in the book, I, I I do have a tribute to the beauty beauties of Colombia. And even, even though it might be hard to believe, twenty nine minutes into this or however however long we've been going, that that I believe in Colombia. It's a beautiful place. We've all seen Encanto, mm-hmm. right? You know, we don't talk about Bruno, but we yeah. do talk about how pretty life is there. And it's it's hard to leave that. It's hard to leave home, even if your home sucks, because that's what you know. That's what your roots are. So that's the first step. Yeah. Then. The journey is the second step. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so hard to even get here, right? So, and then once you land, that's the third part of it. But people don't understand that. Like your your ancestors, your 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 great grandparents, when they chose to leave whatever nation that they came from, right? It's it's so hard to choose. I'm out of this place. I'm gone. It's hard to move cities in America, right? (laughs) Yeah. So so no, that's a great
0: that's a really great perspective but like it's got to be pretty dang painful to say goodbye to what you know in your natural like where you're at and to risk everything to get here and your story does say like it the pain was enough to make it like to get to where you're at it was pretty it was a tough journey and I when your parents are probably making that decision they didn't think it was going to be all like we're gonna go and eat cake. Like in your book, you're saying, "Hey, I'm going to see uh, who Mickey. is it? Disney Mickey." You're gonna go see Mickey because that's America. And I'm sure your parents are like, "It's not gonna be Disneyland the whole time." So,
1: but right, and and that's important to my story, by the way, because that that that's actually where the motivation came from. Was that specific story of my parents telling us we were gonna go see Mickey? But we can get into that as we as we yeah, go to. But for sure. But but so, so to answer your question, that's kind of the origin. So up to seven. I mean, I'm also skipping my heart surgery, which is a whole different story. But yeah. But. But, um <laughs> can I can I chapter <laughs> so let, let's hit on that real quick because I
0: did have questions I was reading this book like you have this section on a heart issue and as you're going through your whole immigration process and your whole entire like story and pain point of coming here like you never you you kind of just forget about it fill, fill us in like or you don't mention yeah it. not forget about it, but don't mention as much yeah like, so fill us in what
1: on your heart, your issue? Or... Oh, so so when I was five, I was diagnosed with atrial septal defect. It's a hole in between the two atriums of your heart, which if you don't know, there's four chambers of the heart. The atriums, they're the two at the top. So it's like a little, mm-hmm. like, you know, four pane window. That's the top two. And yeah. so... Big ass hole. outlook didn't look good. It was gonna be a problem. Everybody's born with that hole, but eventually it clo- either closes in the first few years of your life or right as you're born, because you breathe and it's like, just kind of seals up and kind of grows and it's fine. It's a video, mine didn't, mine got bigger. So we needed to fix it. Otherwise it was gonna die, long, to make it, long story short. And so my parents were like, all right. And it had to be open heart surgery. Now they do it through your hip and it's super non-invasive. You can get it done in a day and go home. It's kind of crazy how medicine advances, hmm. but back then and in Colombia, you know, we have to cut you open, so I have a big old scar on my chest, actually, from from the surgery. And 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 for money, I will take my shirt off. So I'm just kidding.
0: But, but, uh, <laughs> the OnlyFans link is
1: No <laughs> The OnlyFans link below. No, I do stand up, so I'm mean, going I, I think I'm funny sometimes. <laughs> but but anyway so so i did that and it was good i put it in the book because it was an experience and it was while we were kind of starting to go in through that process but the biggest reason i wanted to i put it in the in there just be, besides the fact that it was a big part of my life up to that point was to kind of illustrate the attitude that my parents have toward their parenting style which for better or worse i mean i i liked it and i thought it was a good way of doing it but they were really honest with mm-hmm. myself and my brother and then my other brother, because he was born once we came here, but they were just very open. But they had a way of saying it so that a kid could understand it, but it was real, right? When, 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 when it was time to go up to the surgery, I, I'd already know. I knew it was about to happen, right? For, in theory, my parents had not kind of sure, You know, some parents tend to sugarcoat things, where it's like, "Hey, it's just gonna be a quick visit to the doctor," and then you get there and it's a fucking open heart surgery. No, they were like, "Hey, listen, this is what's gonna happen. This is what they're gonna do." And I remember specifically my parents telling me for months I had like it's gonna hurt like it's not gonna be fun but you have to do this because it's gonna hurt much worse later on and so we're just we're gonna take some pain now so that later it doesn't hurt and so that was kind of the but like they just said it in a way that I could understand but they were not the the lesson there was look life happens right and it's okay to accept the situation that you're in even if it's hard to accept even if it's it's not fair that you have to learn it so early but you have to because this is the situation that we're in, right? Same thing happened later. When we moved, we had nothing. We were poor. You know, same thing. It's like, hey, we're we're going to go dump, dumpster diving because we don't have furniture. And we don't have furniture because we're poor. And we're poor because we're new here. And so, like, they were very clear. But, again, it wasn't graphic. It was just very direct. And so I put that in there to kind of highlight that because I had my – my as 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 a, as the surgery comes closer and we go through it, you know, the in the process after, there is there was a lot of there was a lot of things that happened throughout that, that my parents were just really spot on about and, and created this trust that then became really a, a strong foundation for us once we moved here that really just mm-hmm. served a purpose of of helping us grow here as we best as we could
0: that i mean having those parents be as honest as they were which i think is one of the best ways you can do parenting is when an obstacle's in the kid's way don't sugarcoat it be like hey face it head on be direct be like hey this is what it is here's our situation let's move through it bulldoze through it recognize it come do the comforting thing which i think is important but direct attack it head on all those little things like if you had like a cush life or you were a Princeton wherever and then all this stuff happened it probably went a lot harder coming to the states but because of the obstacles that there's small i mean not small but the obstacles that are starting to build up and build up as you got here as they got probably somewhat bigger and bigger it just became easier and easier
1: to face those obstacles right or would right. you do you think about that i think the lessons that i've learned overall and again i don't mean to get ahead but just looking back at yeah, yeah. the things that have happened you know it's like life doesn't get any any easier again like <laughs> you know it, it, it people 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 have this mentality, I, at least in my experience, that I've as I've met people in, in life and just kind of met and heard stories of people's lives. You know, it 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 never. First of all, everybody's been through the hardest thing they have ever been through, right? So even if you were a prince, there's something happened to you that's hard. Maybe it's your whatever it is, but they've gone through something hard. But life doesn't get any easier by any means. Sorry, it just it just it just it does. It just be it just means that you have to get better at handling it. As best Mm -hmm. as you can. Now, I I know that's simpler, (laughs) easier said than done. That's like telling someone, oh, you don't have to be poor. You just have to be a brain surgeon. Right. But there's like some steps we're skipping here, right? So but at the end of the day, you have to just get good at doing hard things so that when life happens, right, shit wall to wall, is seems to be sometimes, there's got to be a pony somewhere, right? If there's so much shit, there's got to be a unicorn that's putting all this shit out, right? So Mm -hmm. it's just learning to wade through it. And finding that pony, right, which is kind of where the name of the show comes from. My show comes from, it but, is. but that's the idea. That's what I learned, right? Like you, like you said, all right. We went through this hard thing that sucked. It was hard, right? And now there's this other thing, we're, which we're being, we're gonna get murdered. We're being chased, and so which yeah. we haven't got to that yet. But Let's <laughs> go back to that. Let's go
0: back to that because that I feel right, like. All right. Yeah. So, so
1: my dad has this business and and so so my dad has a business and this is where shit really hits the fan overall for us is the there's so we're in bogota and just outside of bogota it's up the mountain and so bogota sits like right in the middle of the andes mountains it's a little it's like 80, 500 meters so it's like i don't know how many feet is that that's like yeah, I don't know a couple more higher than Denver up in this up in the equator so it's like yep. on the equator but it's up in the mountains so the weather is just fucking awesome mm-hmm. all of the time and so it's like 80 at most <laughs> and then it gets oh, into really? like 55 oh yeah it's beautiful it's like bogus has kush but then further up the mountain still where there's exposed rock and stuff my dad had his quarry there and then even further up the mountain there was a, a base an army base government mm-hmm. army base and that got bombed by FARC so the army generals and leadership came to my dad and said hey can you help us out and provide some construction materials we're trying to fortify the base we got attacked we survived the attack but we need to rebuild and reconstruct and refortify and we need materials you're the closest one here can we do it? so that he so they did a contract he provided labor and all this so they, they made a deal to help out the government rebuild the base and of course you know it wasn't it, my dad is a patriot of Colombia, but it wasn't free either. So there was like mm-hmm. obviously some some something to gain there, as well as you know. Anyway, they worked it out. Point mm-hmm. being, and so FARC were like, nah, cool, <laughs> we don't enjoy that. And so they came and paid a visit to my dad multiple times. The first one, they came straight to the office and were like, hey, have you been, have you been naughty? <laughs> have you been helping our enemy? My mom recalls that there would be people like so the quarry kind of sat down in like a little bit of a of a dip in the mountain as they kind of carved their way through and my mom says she remembers people with like guns just kind of like watching and just like being menacing and so like far but still like that's dude with the fucking rifle right and so anyway so man long long story short long story short the relation tensions got more friction <laughs> in mm-hmm. with you know, and with with the relations with FARC, to the point where my dad kind of had just to get, gun to his head, the whole thing, it, stop. You're going to help us, or or instead of the government type of. It, you know, offers kind of the ultimatums of, or or we're gonna kill you. Kind of t- the things you see in the movies, like the mob, <laughs> like you help me, or otherwise I'm going to rape your wife and kill your children or whatever. And I can get as graphic as you get as you want me to on here. You, it's on the get as graphic as you want here. No, if you but want, I, me I don't you. know who's listening okay. or the audience, but it's it was graphic. This is it I mean, this is the world we're in, right? So I don't think yeah. a five year old's
0: listening to this. So. If they are, yeah. cool. but now
1: I, I will say some of the events in the book are – so the book is like 95% accurate in this because I had to like – because of literary flow, the events all happened. They just didn't happen all at the same or in that chronological order exactly, but they all were there. Um, okay. I was not present when my dad had a gun to his face. I was present when the toll booth got blown up. And, and so, so like different things yeah. happened that where we were being chased – and we were trying to outrun and we would, my dad left the business behind. We kind of were laying low for a while and we kept being like followed. We felt like we were still being followed. My dad kind of catch glimpses of people in our neighborhood, we moved again. And so finally we just realized there was no way that we're gonna, at least not right now, it's too hot for us here. We're gonna have to move Mm -hmm. because it's our lives on the line here and we need to get the fuck out. And so the decision was made, we needed to move. So
0: when you were going through all of this, because you're, like you said, you're seven years old, the, the toll booth story is insane from just like a, a kid seeing that where you, so you think about like what's going on there. Are you ever just like, dad, just give them what they want. Or were you the whole time like, F these guys, we're fighting back.
1: Like where, what was your mentality there? Well, the, the chronological order that happened was the first contact was, hey, we know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, just so you know, we're watching. The second one was, we want to be friends with you instead of them. The third one was the violent one. And so when we were kind of, we took some time off, we actually traveled and that's when the toll booth happened. Now, the toll booth wasn't specifically directed at us, but because of mm-hmm. that, we were like, we should probably not be around here for this. And... I don't know that there was a specific threat to us if we would have been searched and found i don't know if they would have actually like realized that we were who we were or anything like that but it just was a a key moment in realizing for us that the violence here was just it was just always going to be here and the Mm -hmm. fact that we had already had run-ins with them were so i just remember thinking from that standpoint uh, that because again for us it was just another tuesday so like to me at that point i wasn't quite made aware what was going on until the day that my dad came home after the gun to his head and he was bawling he's like we we can't we can't we can't do this i remember my dad didn't go back i think he went back a couple of times to kind of like just Mm -hmm. kind of tie things up but other than that it was just pretty much the next day you know it was pretty cold turkey um Mm -hmm. to do so to do so and like there was different instances, he would know the details better. And I have, of course, I was trying to write it from my perspective, but there was different instances where we were just trying to lay low. And so right. uh, all I remember is just, we were taking vacation and <laughs> we were just like, all right, we're just right. And then uh, the first time I really realized the severe, like how severe the situation was, was when we were sitting at the embassy we were hmm. in line for a visa. Cause my, that was like really the first time my parents explained to us why we were there, why we weren't at school, right? It was like, hey, listen, we're hmm. here. Because we need to leave Colombia, and we need to hmm. go ask the, them for permission. We need to leave Colombia, and so we're gonna go to the United States. We're gonna go meet Mickey, right? And so that's the whole idea. We so just so you guys know, we're going to we're gonna go see Mickey. Why? Because we are gonna to get tourist visas. When you move here, you have to come here legally if you can, mm-hmm. if you can, or if you have the time for it. We had some time to try to plan. But the best way for us to get to the country legally was to say we're going to come here as tourists tourist visas are good for six months and so if the if they allow you because it's a fucking lottery people think it's because you have good standing it's just like oh you get in if you i don't know the lady at the embassy likes your shirt or whatever so so that was the first time that i was right. like holy shit, this is actually real like we're this is not normal because my <laughs> cousins aren't here right like this is us when this you when you were going through all this stuff as a
0: kid it sounds like you kind of you, you knew this but like you said it was a typical tuesday did you think the whole world was like this was everyone's typical tuesday or were you aware that like america's up here north of you and
1: it's like not like that there do you know what i mean no no i had no idea i had no idea i had no idea that the world wasn't like that because you're just so consumed every day there was and i don't mean to belittle this but for example to just no. to give you an example of the perspective like when the boston marathon happened which is a terrible thing to happen people died and i Mm know that was difficult but i remember this is how maybe you could call this trauma i don't know but i remember reading the news because it felt a little familiar right Mm. something blew up and people died in a big city right and i remember watching the news and so i remember reading twitter and i'm like oh only three people died like that was my thought And people, Mm -hmm. I mean, and again, three people, that's three important lives and nobody deserves to die. I'm not trying to belittle or try to, I'm not trying to, somebody's going to find this clip and be like, you just, no, (laughs) like that's, that's it. That's any, any loss of life is tragic in that way, especially through a violent crime like that. And I, and I understand that, but, but the, for us, the news were like, if 9-11 happened every day, it was kind of like that where like, Mm -hmm. it was several hundred people dying like my, I remember, I was too young to remember this, but even in the nineties, my dad was telling me, he's like, right around noon, FARC or the cartels, there'd be bombs throughout the city. So you could hear them from like his, like his office. You'd be like, boom, boom. Oh, only four bombs today. Right. Like that. that's the level of shit that we're talking about where it's like. Yeah it's not it's like three boston marathons a day mm-hmm. happening all over the fucking country and in the city right and just even yeah. in bogota let alone medellin cali where like the, some of the more violent towns where the cartels really still had power mm-hmm. and there was they they were still fighting against each other so like, because there was so much violence in so many different parties it, it just to me it was just bombs like oh today there was a bomb over here you know whatever like it just, yeah. that was the, just the, I'm mean, so, so to answer your question, like as a kid, you know, was I aware that it, I had no idea. I had no time to think, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that wasn't what, right. That, 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 I, I, fuck, I was, I would, I would take a, a, a van. So we went to a private school, went to my parents, <laughs> the business was doing well. And we went to a, a pretty nice private school after, you know, towards the end there <clears throat> and the van that took us to school, the driver, he got like shot and stabbed like one day, you know, like not in front of us, but like it was just another driver the next day because John got stabbed last night. So, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is a new guy. That's how like. Now it you were to that. Stuff. It's yeah, just how it was, you know, yeah. like all because if, if it wasn't the FARC or the narcos, it was the street violence and the poverty, right? Like hmm. it was, it, I mean, I went back to Columbia <laughs> with my girlfriend at the time and, you know, I go, hey, listen, you're white. <laughs> Don't go outside without me because you look very kidnappable. (laughs) We're we're in South Bogota. If you go four blocks that way, you can find drugs and prostitution. Three blocks that way, you can find someone who will shoot you and stab you. And if you go this way, you can find both. So don't, just don't, just no. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like it was just, it was just part of the fucking culture. It was just sad or not. You know, it, 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 you just, you just kind of grow up. It's kind of, I mean, very similar, I assume, to maybe some like more crime ridden neighborhoods here in the US, like in southern, South Chicago or parts of LA, right, where it's just like every day it's just drive by shootings and shit. It's just that just it wasn't us today. Thank God. Right. But the it was just the way it was down there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was just you just it just was a thing. So you just get so numb to it that it didn't fucking matter. Did you find this might be a little off topic here going down a little bunny trail?
0: But uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about it in one of his books. I cannot remember which book it is. I think it's David and Goliath, where when the Germans were bombing London to try to break the spirit of the people of England, the, basically the mindset went from being like broken to just making them tougher and happier because any day they didn't get bombed, it was like, well, it wasn't my house. Thank yeah. goodness. So now I'm just a happier
1: person because, yeah. man, what a lucky person I am. Like, was it almost like that or of it not in a way also what didn't help also was my uncle so and i talk about him on the book a little bit my uncle yeah. was so it's kind of hard to explain this but imagine there's a the military in Colombia, but then there's also the national police which is kind of like the state troopers of one state okay and those people also fought so it when when far came they weren't just fighting against military they like if like, if you were signed up for the national police, it was like signing up for the national guard in a way. But just imagine the national guard's always active all over the country.
0: So, you've like two armies, yeah, the local army, the military. Yeah.
1: There's like the military, right? And then, there, mm-hmm. and, but honestly, they would partner often. But, like, if uh-huh. you ever watched Narcos, for example, the people that caught Pablo were the national okay. police, like, yeah, it wasn't the military, right? Those are the mm-hmm. And in fact, my uncle was part of some of the search blocks when that was happening, but that's a whole yeah. story for another time. But anyway, so that that didn't help either because then we would get news from him about he and he was in the fucking jungle doing crazy shit. Like he, he has stories of, oh my God, he has stories of, you know, he had like 25 guys in an army base or in a, in a police station and like the FARC were coming to take over this small little village. And he's like, all right, we're going to have to defend. There was like 500 of them against the 25 and they knew it was happening because all the doctors and ambulances left town like the day before, and he was like, ah, oh, shit, we're going to get attacked. Because when that happens, it means they're coming. And so, because people dip, they get word mm-hmm. of it, and so the, people dip out. And so, and then the, the that morning, his guard dogs were found dead. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, everybody round up some ammo. And they survived. They ended up surviving. He, one of his people got shot, and he won a medal for it, the president. He was on the news, national news and shit. So, again, we like, wow. it, it, it was just all the time. We were just getting mm-hmm. stories of, shit like this and so it just became like you know and it's funny because i come here and it's just and it's people talk about like crime and stuff i'm like ah, <laughs> like i don't know it's just that's so cute. it's so it's so it also on the other hand it, it it's given me this really weird edge where you know you come here and you learn to trust people you, you i moved to a small town you leave your car unlocked to us that's fucking bananas right but now i live in a bigger city you still like your car and stuff but you know in my head i'm like shit I'm from South Bogota. What the fuck do you think this is? Like, it ain't nothing. Like, it'll be all right. We'll be okay. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think
0: that's interesting. You didn't. So piggyback off one of my buddies. He's from Brazil, and like he had shit stolen all the time. And he's just like he talks about like what it was like growing up there, and all those like things have made him like kind of edgy. Like the, he's always on edge. Like he doesn't he. He struggled to like, sounds like you've bought into the whole, like, Hey, I can trust people in America to some degree. Like he's like, I don't trust anybody. I have, oh. he locked his garage and he locks his car in his garage. Cause he doesn't want anything stolen. Like, it's like super yeah. it's interesting how you've almost kind of like
1: let your guard down or maybe
0: not Americanized, but oh. maybe a little, or maybe oh. I'm totally off in assuming that.
1: I don't know that I would, I would say let my guard down, but I understand how, what it looks like when someone's like shady. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah, i'm saying so it's like sure. oh you're not gonna rob me i because i know what it looks mm-hmm. like when someone could rob you and that's yeah. this ain't it <laughs> like, okay. at least in go. my face but yeah. like there is a saying in colombia it's called don't ever give papaya which which means like so papaya is a euphemism for like the opportunity for someone to fuck you and and that could be in every hmm. So, for example, you're in a busy subway in New York, and you're maybe you have a purse and it's wide open, and you're just not even paying attention in your and your headphones. You're just looking away. Yeah. Papaya. Someone's gonna rob you. What the fuck are you doing? Why are yeah. you doing that? Right? Yeah. You you get into business with someone and you don't sign a contract that's legal binding or something like that, and then they don't pay you or whatever for your, you. You mm. gave them papaya. Why are you giving people papaya? The, like you know, that. that's that, that that is this idea of because like, if you give papaya, people will take papaya. That's the, the right. In other words, if you give people, because of the nature of people, the opportunity to fuck you over, they will probably fuck you over. <laughs> and so, or or it could be something as simple as you're in high school and you say something like uh, like something really embarrassing, like, oh, man. That was that was really hard and then some kids yeah. like oh that's what she said like, don't give like, them the opportunity I, you're don't giving people the opportunity to fuck with you so don't do that and so yeah. so my wife would probably tell you she, she i've taught her that i'm like don't give papaya she's from a <laughs> small town in oregon i'm like don't give papaya like leaving your car unlocked or like leaving your wallet open babe don't give papaya so, what that's a good one
0: i'm gonna i'm taking notes on that one so you're coming back to the story so you're at the embassy you guys get the visa what was what was the timeline there what was the process between getting the visa coming to the state? what was that like
1: uh, I, there's a whole chapter of, uh, of this in the book itself but mm-hmm. basically it's it's fucking scary looking place the embassy you're thinking it's like welcoming it looks like a there. prison <laughs> Were but you guys it- worried?
0: Because your dad was in the book you use term like yellow listed, which I mean, I'm assuming that just means that they're watching or they want you some way like dead or alive or whatnot. Was there fear of like the FARC attacking that place a lot or being there or
1: no? Now, nah, uh, what I meant by yellow listing there in the book, and this is something, again, that I kind of like had to like emblemish to kind of make the point, but it, it was more mm-hmm. symbolic. What I meant by that is they were they were looking for us like there yeah. was what, what did happen. I don't know that there was like a that they were sophisticated enough to have a database on everybody that they wanted. But, An Excel spreadsheet. They were, I don't, but what what I meant by that specifically or more literally in the sense was that, you know, the, the, the common places that we would go to were were watched the reason we knew that is because the first time we moved we had to move I, I changed schools like the whole thing and so and so we thought that was good enough we left it alone hey no i'm out of this situation i'm not helping the government i'm not helping you guys i'm just out mm-hmm. but there was multiple times where my dad would see the people that he had run into like around the neighborhood right mm-hmm. so we'd be driving he's like oh shit that's the guy <laughs> and so we knew that We were going to continue to be followed. And so by staying in Columbia, it wasn't a matter. It was just going to be a matter of time until we were found. And so, but there wasn't anything like specifically worrisome about, you know, going to the embassy. We never, that was never a fear that like they're going to, they're going to get us everywhere we go. However, it was more like we would have to keep a low profile. It wasn't like we were going to go to Disney World or we're going to go to the theme Mm -hmm. park today or we're going to go to the mall today. That kind of stuff. We kind of, Get, stop doing and avoiding as much, but the idea of going to the embassy was never like a scary situation. Plus, I mean, who's mm-hmm. gonna fucking attack the embassy? That's that's not a good move. So, but no, the it was crazy. We were there. We show up. The lady starts interviewing my parents. Who's like a she was not friendly looking, like she wasn't really welcoming you as you mm-hmm. would expect. I mean, you know, the the only reference of the United States we had at the time was you know Disney and you know Toy Story and home alone right like this yeah. is like, like that's what america is, the things that yeah. america is. but the she was more like the concierge from home alone where like the asshole you know like it's like that and you're like ah this lady fucking mean and so my we we get approved for the visa and then now it just becomes a, a time about like okay we're gonna have to you know save up and get some tickets to go and we ended up deciding on Nebraska because my mom had distant family in Miami and one of their kids ended up going to school in Kearney, which is a town, small town in Nebraska. They had a small university there and he knew of a place called Grand Island. Fucking mm-hmm. not grand or an island. It's it's neither of those things. Nebraska is the only territory, state or country in the world that's triple landlocked and the audacity to call a town Grand Island in, that st- in the middle of that state is – fucking outrageous but i'd love to know the reasons behind the naming of that town
0: like i think it's because
1: there's a river that runs through and it opens up and then comes back out so they called that an island i think i think that's where the story comes from i believe and so they thought it was an island in the middle of this large river and it wasn't the whole sarcastic thing I'm like, hey, listen, it was Germans. Y'all, y- y'all Germans. I don't know if you're German, but people- I'm not German at all. But, but people who are, I'm just, for people listening, y'all Germans are freaking crazy at naming things because Grand Island, what's wrong with you? <laughs> anyway, so, but we weren't sure. We, we, we didn't want to go to Miami because, again, late 90s in Columbia. In Miami, come on, it's really little Columbia or Cuba, right? Like if you're not Cuban or Puerto Rican or Colombian, you you don't live in Miami. So yeah. we don't want to go anywhere in Florida really. And so, or New York for the same reasons. And so, you know, it had to be somewhere where it was just remote. And my dad came first four months and it was tr- tr- crazy four months. I don't know if you got this far in the book or not, but that whole chapter is, you could write a book on just that experience itself. And, uh, and then we moved after and it was a one-way I almost I almost called the book instead of the cost of citizenship I almost called it a one-way ticket on on a tourist visa but I don't know. I didn't know that people would be able to make the connection without knowing exactly what that means. What that means is we're not coming back. I <laughs> we're here yeah to stay. <laughs> you yeah. understand maybe because you're we more informed, but I didn't know that the average person would understand what that meant. Because mm-hmm. American like people from here, they don't know what a visa is. Like when you, when you try to explain to them what a visa is, like generally speaking, they're like, "Wait, what? You have to ask for permission to go places?" Like because you know people from here don't have to. You yeah. can just go. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> well, when you were telling.
0: And obviously your family, your situation might be a little different, but when you're telling like family what you guys were about to do, do you remember the, like their reaction? Do you remember their feelings? What was that
1: like? We had a going away party for my dad and mm-hmm. my grandmother uh, ended up passing away while we were here. We never saw her again, but mm-hmm. she was a very, she was like, the, if you've ever seen Encanto, she was like the grandma. She was that lady, but okay. More, Vulgar. Oh, <laughs> she was like okay. if that lady was on. She was like if that lady was drunk all the time and just funny, great, great woman, amazing woman. <laughs> and she was, she. You know who she reminds me of? Have you ever seen? You seen <laughs> the Matrix? You know the Oracle in the Matrix on the in the first Matrix. I've watched the Matrix once. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> not dude. the not the reference there. No, nobody's perfect. But anyway, if you watch that movie and you know the Oracle, she was like that lady. She's fucking okay. awesome. And but I remember watching kind of like the pain. Of my dad leaving his mother and i think we knew i think we all knew that this that that was going to probably be the last time that you know that that we were together like this ever ever and so and it was true i mean we didn't come back until a decade and a half later but when we came back i mean we were different they were different things were different so it 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 was, uh, it was hard. I mean, I, I I was close to all my cousins, my grandma's place. The reason my grandma was such a matriarch of the family was because my parents worked and my cousin's parents worked. So during school breaks and after school, grandma's is the place we were. I mean, I, I grew up with my cousins, right. For the, for the seven years that I was there, I mean, they were, we were just so close and so when leaving, it was just, we knew, I mean, it was, we knew it was going to be for a while. I mean, we knew it wasn't going to be like, oh, "I'll see you next year. We'll come back for Christmas." Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> "We're gone. We're going to be gone yeah. for a minute." And so they, we all were aware of the situation. None of them were in danger really, because the, the 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 beef wasn't really with them. However, they were they were still like, "Hey, we're going to keep an eye out," because <laughs> it, it wasn't like we left and they were like, "All right, see you, We're done." Do with you... That. It was, they, they were careful with things afterwards, but the we were the main problem. So we so we dipped. Do you know like for? how much
0: longer the fark were watching your family or like you're just like to watch out for you guys
1: being there or no no clue my uncle my uncle did like kind of help kind of keep tabs and stuff just making sure things were okay but but i think i'm i i really don't know actually i'm assuming once they i'm assuming once we left they were kind of like ah fuck it <laughs> that's fish left the pond so so I have no idea. but I, I just mm. do know that you know there was there was some later on we ended up finding out we needed some documentation that we didn't bring. Mm-hmm. You know we did we brought a lot of stuff to, for for what ended up being a court case later on, but just there was there, well, I got a delivery. but but yeah it, it was like it, it was definitely scary for, for like we would call as often as we could to be like, hey are you guys okay? we're, we're yeah. doing okay. Are you guys okay? um mm-hmm. and just hey we need this we need you to try to find this judge or this document or whatever for for several years after how often yeah, did I you talk to him that. when he got here like was it once well, a month or well yeah. we tried well wait did you did you end up did you get this far in the book because i could tell you specifically i've
0: uh, i've read the book i i read i read read all the way up to you guys get in here and then once you got to the states i was like it was
1: last night, and I was like, "I need to get some sleep." So I started skipping hey, no back worries, no out. No worries. So, so this so, is so, so, green here. Well, I just I don't want to spoil it. If it's green, that's good. So, so back then, and this is going to be a, a bit of an explanation. This is like an, again, here's just one of hundreds of things, if not thousands mm-hmm. of things, that are just a pain in the ass about being an immigrant here. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> we have family home. So, and it, there was no FaceTiming. There was no Zoom where you could just kind of hop on and be like, "Hey, mm-hmm. fucking, we're here. Look yeah. at this, right?" Plus we wouldn't have money for a computer anyway. So what you do is you use calling cards.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: So there was these little cards, you go to the store. Usually they're found in, in immigrant stores, like immigrant ran business, like markets. And hmm. they just look like, like a, it's like a little scratch card. And there's a specific number you dial and that card buys you minutes to call internationally. So you, you go, you get the card, you pay five, 10, 20, 30 bucks and you, know, you pay by the minute for the card. And then they were fucking were a rip off. You would get an hour long card so you could talk for an hour on the phone, but then you would get like 30 minutes or sometimes It would be a lot. Or sometimes you get 20, sometimes you would get the hour it just it's a shit show. It's exploitation, but we're not even yeah. good at it. I mean, again, this is, we could go just on that tangent alone and be like, look how we're getting fucked. Cause there's, <laughs> by the way, those are, but just so you know, those are mm-hmm. still for sale. You can still buy those and people don't fucking know that you can just FaceTime people. It's, it's, gross but anyway or their home or their family doesn't have a computer or a phone to be able to like what's the
0: what's the technology difference like i imagine it's different now but when you were coming from Colombia to the u.s was it like just like techno i mean again early 2000s so not what was the
1: technology overload Uh, i mean my dad had a cell phone i remember my dad having like that brick thing that looked like a router Mm -hmm. (laughs) Th- th- it wasn't that far behind it was just ex- mm-hmm. just as expensive like to, it, so so it's actually really interesting and this is still a point today where if you so if i go back to columbia today i can buy a beer for like 60 cents actually the inflation is probably crazier now so i would say you could probably buy a beer for like 30 cents right i'm imagining i am last time i was there it was 60 cents right mm-hmm. but the one thing that just translates from dollars to pesos no matter what it like it doesn't get any cheaper is like technology so like for mm-hmm. example a playstation or an iphone or a macbook is still worth the equivalent of 2500 dollars or whatever it is here like a, a, a ps5 is like 500 bucks right or a, mm-hmm. an iphone is a thousand whatever the equivalent of that in Colombia is that's what it costs and so it's not that it's not a that the technology doesn't exist, especially today. Even back then, it's just it was just so much more expensive to even have right. a computer at home, right? Even here, it was expensive to have a computer at home in the early 2000s, right? Like it, it you know, it, back even in school, they would bring you laptops, which, by the way, was fucking mind blowing, right? But relative to what we have today, you don't, know, you know, every kid has an iPad in every school, right? But mm-hmm. provided by the school, but you know having a computer was a luxury and so mm-hmm. it, it's a little it's a little more difficult so it's it's more of a financial thing than lack of availability of the technology itself yeah. uh, but so using the calling cards that's how we would call and so the problem with that is they are that's like 30 a week and sometimes a day it was it that's that's hard to keep up hmm. so the conversations were short and if they were long especially once my grandma got sick it, it just was expensive it was just so much more expensive to call home because you have to dial the number then you call the number that you're calling and then you're like hey I can hear you and then if you were someone standing in the wrong place in their house it just the connection was shoddy but you could you could talk right and so yeah. just again that's just one thing where it's like we had to go through <laughs> to 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 even just communicate back home and not I mean now there's like faceTime and, and all that stuff yeah so Things change, but, but it was hard thank so
0: you got to the States in the book. It, it made it sound, and maybe the timeline was a little different. I misunderstood it. Your dad came four months before you, mm-hmm. how long was it until you saw your dad? So you got to the States, was it like a couple days after you got to the States
1: or was it? Um, so, so my dad came on March 7th, which actually is uh-huh. March 7th of 2020, of two thousand. 0. Uh, the book was published on the 21 year anniversary of my dad arriving So March 7th. That's why I had I, I it took me 2 months to write. It. I, I had 2 months to write it. I decided to write oh my it gosh. on December December 28th and it was published on Amazon on March or March 7th. So it was like a tight window, but I, that date meant a lot to me and I wanted to get yeah. to it. So oh. He got so he gets here in March 7th of 2000. We arrive in Miami July 13th. He picks us up in Nashville from a bus station. By the way, nobody told us that you could fly to Omaha. Nobody fucking told us. So we took a bus, a Greyhound bus from Miami over the course of a couple of days. So I didn't get to Grand Island. Well, my dad picked us up in Memphis at the bus station in Memphis on like July 15th. And then like at 3 a.m. on July 16th. we So it took us three days before we were even in Grand Island. But we saw my dad like the day after or, or a couple of days okay. after we, we got to Miami. Okay. Most- what
0: going from these beautiful luscious mountains of Columbia <laughs> to the drive from, I imagine Memphis, to Miami was kind of cool or maybe kind of cool, but the Memphis to Nebraska.
1: What was going? Do you remember what was going through your mind? I mean, I just I was shocked at how big things were here. I mean, everything was big—cars, the malls, the 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 stores. Like when we got here, my mom's uncle, that distant relative that I told you about, they they picked us up from the airport. And we stayed overnight at their house, mm-hmm. and then they took us like to get ice cream, right? Because like oh. I just remember everything was so much bigger—the roads, the bridges, yeah. everything was wider. Everything was bigger it's kind of like the feeling of going to texas when you're from not texas and you're like holy shit everything's big the people were big like everybody uh, that was the first thing uh, uh, do you remember like
0: like, when you got do you remember when you got here what was like the most shell shocking or culture shock if you will like seeing things was it just the size or
1: from a from like from a visual standpoint like the, the way the neighborhoods were laid out the the niceness of the house, I mean, we, looking back now, again, it's all relative, right? Looking back now, mm-hmm. we came to a shithole, but at the time it was a mansion to us because that was the biggest yeah. house I've ever seen that, that, that I had ever lived in, in my, in my life. And so the, the way the streets were laid out, everything was the relative feeling of safety was mm. probably the, from a, from a internal standpoint, just, I just felt free. It just felt, not, I wasn't in danger. In fact, I raised, this is ingrained in my head. I remember where that went away was like, like a week later we were like walking through the neighborhood just going to get into know like our, where we were and there was like a crime sign like one of those crime watchers signs or it's like the it's like a, it looks like a like a guy in a fedora like a criminal and it has like the no crime thing mm-hmm. and i saw that and i'm like oh shit there's crime here too as a seven-year-old kid yeah. you know i'm like oh, and then that feeling went away hmm. where i was like oh no it just follows you (laughs) it just it just it's just everywhere that's what i remember it was it was all big i didn't understand what the fuck people were talking about no idea like i had no idea like we had no english so like i would just listen and look at people talking and i'm like what are you talking about i don't understand what's going on
0: i think as i've done this podcast that's been probably one of the things that's kind of shocked me the most like because you got here before the in august no july 16th correct Is when you got to nebraska I think I, yep. okay, so you get here July 16th. You have about roughly six weeks before school starts.
1: How did you, how did that learning and kind of gain? And I, and I do talk a little bit about this in the book, but um, I wrote a love letter to math in one of the sections of the book because that like was the that. only subject that, that I understood. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to learn English to know math. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brain is just kind of designed for math, I guess. I was gifted mm-hmm. that. I was not gifted a lot of things, but if something was gifted, was humor and math. <laughs> I remember loving math because I didn't I didn't feel stupid. Mm-hmm. I, I felt smart. In fact, I was the best math best math student. You know, at least that I remember growing up. You know, it because that's just what made sense to me. Like, and mm-hmm. they were learning stuff that I had already learned, so I knew how to add already. That was second grade. Yeah. But outside of that little nugget of it felt like an Oasis math class because outside of that, it was yeah. a shit show. That math was the Grand Island. <laughs> and yeah. everything else was like, Nebraska. Everything, everything else was Nebraska. I mean, English was hard. And, and, and it never got easier. Like I, People growing up, I mean, I, I would get made fun of for my accent. I, I had an accent. In fact, I went back to ELL classes, change to work with like a speech pathologist, so I yeah. wouldn't have an accent because people yeah. would make fun of me for it. I was actually I, I tested out of ELL and I had caught on enough English by the end of third grade, but because I still had an accent, I was like, no, I want to keep doing this because. When did you strange. go? When
0: did you go see the speech pathologist for that? Was that in middle school uh, or like school? fourth grade? Fourth and fifth fourth grade. grade. Okay. Well, okay. I was
1: technically good to go. Like I didn't have mm-hmm. to be there anymore, but I wanted to keep going because it, it was okay. just not a fun experience to get yeah. made fun of her like i mean i already felt outside like an outsider for many reasons we had me down clothes and we bought a garage sale we learned what the fuck a garage sale was like what you've worn these and i have to wear them you know so but one of the things that was important to 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 is my parents never complained at all i don't to this day i don't recall like a single moment of my life before my parents complained about what's going on and that really helped us because you know, we just had to make the best. That's what we learned. I think that's where I learned the most about making, you know, the best out of a situation, right? It wasn't that we were dumpster diving. We were playing I Spy, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I spy a chair, right? And it was just a game that we'd play on Saturday nights to go get, you know, furniture for the house that we just rented because we had nothing. I mean, we came here, we had nothing, man. We were sleeping on the floor. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the, the 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 carpets were smelled like piss and shit. Like, I, I remember vividly, like, the smells. Like, it, mm-hmm. was, it was not a... It was not like a, we came here and it was a nice house and I was, I was like, no, it was, it fucking sucked. <laughs> I, felt,
0: I felt like the chapter on your dad of him when he was here, I don't know what word to use. I feel like, like you said earlier, it's a little extreme word to use our ancestors or generations ago, like their stories is all going to be different on how they came. Like the situation that motivated to them make them come here. But that story was probably one of the most relatable for most of us, for most people from coming here most most of the time the dad came first and you did garbage work for garbage pay and just like his thought process or he talked it, or you mentioned in the book where his brain like he had to like be thinking this is still better even though this sucks this is still tremendously better than what i came from like that his whole story there was insane so
1: yeah it was. Hold on, I just realized my name on here is Ponytails. Sorry, I love that. Sorry about that. I didn't even mean to do that. I just I thought you would be giving a plug the whole time to the other <laughs> no, podcast. I'm so sorry. So that's what I'm the a half for. That's what I'm the a half for. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, it just this is our ponytails account for, for the business, so I was yeah. just using the zoom account for that. And it just it, the name just comes up as ponytails. And I, j- I just realized that I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> I just put <laughs> ponytails Andres Gambo there. Sorry, I was a little marketing. I'm so sorry, I didn't mean that's Don't worry. Shitty. the, the, <laughs> the Remove. I should also remove ponytails. Here we go, it's been on there long enough. This was brought to you by no on what you said. So that was so writing the book. You know, I there's been a lot of things I've had to go through in my life that I that I've experienced that were difficult, right? And again, I'm not trying to be like I'm so tough. Everybody's been doing oh. something hard. I'm not trying to blow smoke. I'm just trying to put it in perspective like the book was the hardest thing I've ever done to write. Mm-hmm. Not from a from like the the two months thing, like or the or the actual writing process. Like that's complicated, but it wasn't hard. Hard mm-hmm. emotionally, just to relive everything. But the hardest part of that part of all of that two two, two chapters one the chapter where my grandma passes away and I explained what how that happened and the hardest one was the chapter about my dad that, I I dreaded that I wrote that last or second to last I think it was like I, I was going between that and the other chapter just because I like I would get to a certain point and I'd have to like weep weep and weep and then just breathe and then go yeah. back and maybe try the other one until I couldn't because I had to weep and. I, the way that was written was I, I interviewed my dad and I have the recording on my phone still. I have the recording on my memos my And I interviewed him like, hey, tell me in detail what happened. So I, I, t- I told you there was like some, some uh, I took some liberty with this chronological order and the description of some of the stories leading up to that, just because my coach was like, this makes more literary sense to write it this way. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I was just being coachable. But from the moment that we go to the embassy to the end of the book, Not a single detail was blemished or changed. That's 100% how it happened. And the chapter about my dad, the recording that I have of his voice just telling me the story and like the tears. I mean, he cried. It it was just really fucking brutal to recall that because he goes through some shit in that chapter and literal, literal horror shit and the shit of like the 29 other men that lived in that house with them. So like... I'm only mentioning this because of what you said. So to, to hear my dad tell that story and it makes me think, shit, I haven't gone through anything. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that that was the hardest part of the story in my opinion was him like his story, right? And, and really my mom too. Like I'm not trying to say my mom didn't. She had her own hardships as well because mm-hmm. she had to take two fucking little kids from Bogota to Memphis on yeah. her own, right? Yeah. So that's a whole different story. But And I interviewed her for that part too. Um mm-hmm. But just listening to my dad talk about like the cleaning the bathroom part and just like that was very brutal. And so to, to to look back and that was the moment where I said like, I don't care how many books I sell or how many people read this story. I hope people do and I hope they find joy in it. And I hope they find perspective mm-hmm. in it. But for sure, my kids, their kids, my nephews, my cousin, like they're fucking reading this because there's no way that you're going to forget You know, Mm -hmm. what happened when I, when I often, so we moved to Grand Island, there's a large Mexican population, large, you know, Central American population in general, but it's mainly Guatemalans and Mexicans. And often I'd be like, Hey, so you guys are immigrants. My, my grandpa moved here when I was a kid or you know when he was a kid or my grand my dad moved here when he was a kid. I'm like, Oh, tell me the story. I don't know. And they wouldn't know it. And I'm like, no, 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 not my kids. Like my kids, (laughs) you, you read that. And understand mm-hmm. what your grandpa went through and teach to your kids and teach you because no matter what happens you're gonna know what had happened for you to have even the opportunity to be born here uh-huh. and and so i just wanted to drop that there because that it, again the story isn't really about me it's, it's i think it's about my parents and i wanted it to be about my parents because that's that's really what happens uh-huh. in real life to millions of people every day and it's mm-hmm. It's brutal to read and it's brutal to write and it was brutal to tell, but I'm glad that it's there and I'm glad that people, that it's public and people, if they choose, can go can go read about it.
0: That I, I got a little more, hearing you talk about it, I could, you can see, hear the emotion, like as I was reading it, it, it definitely stirred some a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion. So fill me in when, you, for your, obviously here we are in 2022 and there's all this different stuff going on Specifically, it seems that a lot with around the whole racism thing, or not racism thing. It is a real, real stuff. Coming here, what was that like? You talk about it a little bit in the book, or at least for the part I am at in the book, because again, I'm not at really this point. What was, how did it feel when you got here? How did other people, other Americans make you feel when you got here?
1: This is a great question, because I have, I have my own perspective on this. Like, I think, and I don't know, maybe it's common, I don't know. And I, this isn't something I've like really gone out and did market research on to be like, do you feel this way too? But two, two things are true. And this is this isn't, I don't give a shit what news outlets are saying. I don't care what the Republican Party is saying. I don't care what the Democratic Party is saying. I don't give a shit what the political people or the people in power have to say about this who have not experienced anything like this. But two things are very true. One, racism is a real thing. It does fucking happen. It is systemic and also personal. There's, there's no, no cookie cutting, no sugar coating on that. Fucking people will judge you because you are not like them or you look different or you they think less of you because you're from a different place and they think they're better because that happens. <laughs> they hate and they fear, that happens. Also importantly to note, the second thing is, there are also people here who are angels in disguise. And there are people who put their hearts and their souls into making sure that we were successful. Some of, to, some of which I give acknowledgement in the book, others I sent the assigned copy to and said, that you, I talked about you specifically, we could not have done it without you, thank you. And I whether that's luck on our end or just God's blessing or whatever you believe in, the universe coming together and saying, this is what needs to happen for you, whatever. But there's no doubt that there were people who helped us along the way that really made it happen. Like it, it, we we had no family. And so mm-hmm. case in point, our neighbors immediately, right? They would bring us food sometimes because they knew, right? They knew we were in trouble. The Bringles family, Get my dad employment and they really kind of pointed him in the right direction along the way to kind of like get him because once we're able to prove this kind of gets into like the legal process but basically we got political asylum so we technically were never quote-unquote illegal here but long that's a whole different story we can talk about hours about the, that process but <laughs> that I'm, just be, uh, stay, part. I'm just trying yeah. to stay on your question yeah I, I, the, the, the once it happened, but once we were able to get asylum or at least a work permit here, we were able to give validation to my parents' degrees, which changed mm-hmm. the game for us because we were able to go from working at like meatpacking plants and hotels, making hotel beds, and that's also part of the story that we can go back to, but if you want, but but basically we moved out of that. To my mom now could go work, at like a like a corporate job, and my dad could go mm-hmm. work at a corporate job, and so those people helped us find employment or helped my dad and my mom find employment. So for example, that right there is another one. The the Ken, Ken and Loretta. I won't say their last name. I, I, in fact, I hope they were old, so I'm, I'm I'm imagining they're still with us. Maybe they've passed on, but we don't we don't really keep in touch after after we kind of parted ways. Mm-hmm. We, every once in a while we would, but there was no reason to. But they taught my parents English, so, so mm-hmm. we would go to go learn English from them, right? So people like that were, where several that at the at the bank who helped us get yeah. like a mortgage mm-hmm. and helped us like guide us right there there yeah. were people along the way who who really helped us out so just as much mm-hmm. as there was racism and people on the other hand going get the fuck out of my country or you don't belong here or you're weird or nobody soccer's for pussies like do you from different ways right just people yeah. not understanding what culture is or what an outside person can bring to your life like That as for every one of those, there was probably another person on on the, on the other side who was like, Hey, I'm glad you're here. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what's Colombian food like, or can you teach us to dance salsa or here's how you build a snowman. There's a whole story about it on the, on the book, but. I think there's coming back to one of the
0: people in the book, David, I think his name was David, the guy that lent your dad the vehicle and your dad is like, how am I going to pay this back? And it's like, just do 10 times, 10 times forward. Like that was it, like no money, no financial compensation. Just do what I'm doing for you to 10 more people or 10 times 10X, which I think that's awesome when you think about what you're doing in your world, where what David did for your dad is now carried into what you've done for people and like in your podcast and helping share their story, It's 10X in there too. So it's really cool seeing that effect. And I think it's amazing how in different points in the your story, how God just came on in here right as your dad like was just like, I'm done. Like him buying coffee, he got $2. They're saying it's $1.70. Yeah. And then the pastor comes in he's like, boom. Here, let me lend an ear. Let me hear your story. Let me talk to you. Like just how God brought people into your guys' life the whole time. It's, it's pretty incredible. Big blessing. Yeah, something that I don't know. It's the weirdest thing about America. In my opinion, the weirdest thing about America is like regardless of what country people come from, the people that are here before always rip on the new people like yeah. so so my heritage i'm a irish italian jew and when my grandfather came here from italy he got stomped on by white people When my irish heritage came here they got stomped on by white like it's like what the freaking and everyone is an immigrant to this country
1: the uh, the dumbest thing that, about that's it. the thing so so and this is such a key fucking point right here is like if you go to england there are families who go our great 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 grandfather made this farm in like 1400 (laughs) like you know like king arthur took a piss right over there i know right at the most like even if you're a direct descendant of like george washington right like what is that eight generations nine generations right? Like yeah. it was what 200, what was that? 200, he when did he die? I'm gonna say 250 years ago to ballpark it. That's like three 80 year old people living and dying back to back, is how recently that was. See what I'm yeah. saying? That's 240 years it's ago. not like that go, in world history, it's, it's such a small, it's, it's fucking of time. nothing. You have a grandpa mm-hmm. that was. Even if they're, or a great grandpa who was from another country, you were, that is no different. Look, I have, that would be like, that would be like my brother's grandson. It's not, it's not, it's not far away. Like, who the fuck are you? Like, it was just so yeah. weird to me because what what's, what's funny about that is, is, and I'm not trying to shit on people here, but a little no. bit. But, but, but he, he, here's the thing. It, it it's very interesting. U, United States culture is very interesting. Like very very like rooted patriotism here is really interesting because, and and I, I kind of write about this in the book a little bit, but I didn't really go into depth in this really. So this is I guess a good place mm-hmm. to bring this up. But we are I'm a, I'm patriotic too. I love Colombia. I mean, I mean fuck. I have tattoos right like about the yeah. country. I got a flag on me like the whole thing, right? I love Colombia and I and I'm a patriot therefore too. And it, my heart bleeds when it when shit still happens there that it's rough or when the the bad guy in the drug dealing movie is a Mm -hmm. Colombian because of course he's Colombian, right? Like that kind of stuff, it hurts, right? Mm But I'm also proud of like Shakira and Sofia Vergara and fucking the Colombian national team that plays soccer at the World Cup and all this mm-hmm. stuff that's really cool. And I'm proud of it. And that's patriotism in its own way, right? But it's a different kind of patriotism. Here, it's really interesting because people are super patriotic where they'll stand up and they'll, or they'll fight for the guy kneeling at the national anthem because the troops and, they're, and they'll they fucking have an American flag on July 4th because the X, Y, Z. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what's ironic is it's like you ask them Generally speaking, hey, what's what's who is the third president of the United States, right? Or like, or like the questions you would get asked on a citizenship test, right? Mm-hmm. And they would not know. And it's like that is so outrageous that your patriotism is so amazing or star-spangled fucking awesome that you, you know, you cry when the when an eagle cries, but you know, but 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 yeah. but you don't know your own history enough to mm-hmm. understand that if you were truly patriotic about this country, you would actually be proud of the immigrant story that is this country like do you not do they not it's just i always want to ask do you not understand that you were i am no different than your grandpa right like i'm no different than your great grandpa at the very most great 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 grandpa probably like it's 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 so bananas Mm -hmm. that that's not something that's really remembered (laughs) like yeah George Washington's parents were were, I I don't even know like there's 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 like some of our founding father's parents were from fucking England like they were immigrants too the kind of what you're saying you're you're the the new crowd that comes in and so it's like why why wouldn't you actually be proud of the fact that that because there's no really other place that has ever been like that in the history of the Mm -hmm. world where it's like come on over we'll take care of you Eh, eh. I mean, I'm sure there has been, but no, not, it hasn't been done as well as it has been done here. Yeah. Even though it's still imperfect, right? But, but it's just, it's just so funny to me. Like, if you were a yeah. true patriot, you would be, you would love the idea of immigrants.
0: I had, like, uh, like, it's just so weird my, to me. I had a buddy from Puerto Rico, and it was around Fourth of July, and I'm a pretty like Independence Day is like my favorite holiday. Like I love Christmas and Easter, I love Thanksgiving, but Independence Day is my favorite holiday because it's like patriotism, you celebrate America. Yeah. But to me, it's like it's about part of it is the whole idea of freedom, which I'm a big all about that, but also the whole like, we're melting pot. So we get to celebrate all those things and how, because what those founding fathers created, we get to have that. And this guy yeah. from Puerto Rico, nothing against him, like that isn't a bash, but like, or the, this is a bash, but he's like, why are you so excited? What do you guys have? What have you guys done? Because Puerto Rico has their own culture and all that. And I right. thought about that. And I was like, you know what? The only thing we have is everyone else's culture. We have just melted pot and cooked, melted here. And that's how, that's the beauty of you being here and your family being here is you get to add to the pot and we all get to absorb it into American culture and redefine American culture. It's always changing.
1: It, that's exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. It, like mm-hmm. there, 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 there's that that is what this country is, and and, mm-hmm. and and I think what happens, and I think this is this is the problem with, this has kind of led to some of the problems in today's world, especially with, with immigration. Is, look at the time the United States became a superpower, right? The things that were happening to help it make become a superpower was actually World War Two, and so the the the. the maybe a little bit before the industrial revolution, but really it was world war II where we just kind of like came because of the mass production that we had to make and to get out of the great depression, we became a superpower really because we started selling a lot of shit and that's okay. But people think that that is what it was. The reason that America became this superpower was because we had the biggest tanks and the biggest guns and the biggest, and, you know and, and it's like no that is not why the, it was the things that laid the foundation for that to yeah. even be able to happen which was the fucking immigrants that came here to help build and and fund and yeah. move the industrial revolution right like you don't have that you you don't even have the opportunity to be a big deal in World War two because mm-hmm. you wouldn't have people that, that were that were willing to put in those the, that effort and that work to make it so that mm-hmm. you even have the opportunity to become that you don't know have the bodies,
0: because I mean yeah. a large amount of the immigration came between nights or 1900s 1900 and 1930s. So if we didn't have yeah. that massive influx of immigration that came around then, you don't have any bodies for World War II. You don't have Nothing. any of that. 100% agree. 100% agree.
1: And so that's so so if if the tanks and the superpower are the muscle, the skeleton is that group of immigrants. Mm-hmm. That mat. It has to be. And you can yeah. have all those tanks, but you remove the skeleton, you're fucking a puddle of meat. Like yeah, it it it. That is exactly. Read a, literally read a book. That is exactly yeah. what happened. That is exactly yeah. what happened. And so, like I just uh, John Washington was Washington's great grandfather. So even the first president of the United States, the fucking yeah. Mister America, like God Delaware crossing, yeah. I'm a badass. That that his his dad's dad's dad was a fucking <laughs> like immigrant from yeah. England. Like it started like nobody was around. Like the only people that can claim that we were here were the Native Americans, who by the way, I mean again rabbit hole, right? Got hmm. fucked over. And so like, unless you're one of those people, dude, you're an immigrant too. And you can deny that I'm American. No, you're not. No, no. <laughs> no yeah. not. What does that even mean to you? What does that even mean to be American? You speak English or you are white or you're, I don't know, you watch yeah. football. Like you define that for me, you yeah. know?
0: I think Amer- I think to say you're an American is more of an idea than it is an actual culture. Cause like that, that's more than anything what it is. It's the idea, also, which is I more powerful that i think that's more powerful to be burst into an idea and believe in an idea than
1: it is to be like i'm a russian jew or you're colombian that's right a different Like, what were yeah. you about to say that well I was, I was gonna say i actually i hate using the word american myself sometimes you have to because it's shorter but like it's like dude i'm from south america it's the nerve to fucking have so just like, say it, america is just the u.s fuck off. that's it. true that's <laughs> true. I <was> kind <laughs> so, of
0: a a little douchey when I say I'm American because I'm like, well, I'm North American. Well, I'm really
1: United States, but US citizen. That's just, it's, that's just what people yeah. call it. But it's yeah. always what I, I, I'm like, ah, shit. Like, I, hate, yeah. I, hate, I hate using that word myself. In fact, in, fact, in so, the book, I had my editor edit out anytime I use American and I had to change it to US, whatever, like in the book.
0: So, question for you Which, my buddy told me to ask this question as a disclaimer. I feel like it can be edgy. Which do you yeah. feel more like? Do you feel like you're more of a Colombian? Or mm-hmm. since you've lived so long in the U.S., do you feel like you're more of a
1: U.S. citizen or a united? That's a great question. And this gets into a big, important topic, too, With about this that people don't understand once, that people mm-hmm. only understand as a first generation. And that is neither. That's what it's called third culture. I'm sure you've heard of mm-hmm. this third culture. This is what about. I've
0: heard the most. This has been the most common comeback. Okay. But, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, neither.
1: I, I think in the book I, I talk about, I'm a Colombian seed planted in U.S. soil. Is what is is what I feel like, where when I went back, it, it was because re- here at my identity it was really shocking. It was a really weird experience because when I when for, when I was here, I was Columbia. I danced salsa. Mm-hmm. I watched soccer. Right, like I'm ah, fucking Columbia. where right? I was gonna wear a Colombian jersey for this, but I was just, ah, I'm just gonna wear one more right now. But. But people would be like, Oh, you're Colombian. You're not American. You're not you're not from here. Like even though I was a citizen, like they were still like, you're still not from here. Like you, you know, you don't mm-hmm. know. and and I assimilated and I did my best. But when I went back, I got told by my family, Oh, you're not Colombian. Like, even Are though that- I still had the accent, I still had the language, I still like ate the food, I still knew how to like I kept up with the news there, mm-hmm. right? Like I kept up with the politics and stuff there. And even though they were like, oh you've been Americanized," like you, you don't, you don't fucking know. Like yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it, it, almost in an almost condescending way, and I, I didn't mean to, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel at home there either, mm-hmm. right? Because like the idea of telling someone down there that I was going to start a podcast to feed my family and succeed, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, I'm still working on it, but you know that that that's what I'm doing. They'd be uh, like, "Fuck out of here!" Like, what are you talking about? But that's mm-hmm. very United States mentality. That's a very Entrepreneur mentality of specific here. I mean, I not specifically here, but, but of of this culture, right. And mm-hmm. so it, it was. It, I felt like an outsider either way. Like mm-hmm. you stop belonging somewhere because you don't mm-hmm. have a lot of people attach their identity to their country, right? Which is a fine thing to do. I did that. I've done that my entire life. But I don't really have one or the other. Like it just it's both. It's 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 you know legally. If if we got into a war, I have to fight for the United States. Otherwise, I'm committing treason, mm-hmm. right? But but from a from an emotional and cultural standpoint it it, it's 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 always both you can't it's Mm -hmm. i am one of the other which i think that makes me more of a u.s citizen or more this culture more because also because i've spent more time here but but because of the fact that here you can be both there you Mm -hmm. can't you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and so it's it's like this whole third culture that is created where i don't feel like at home here there's there's still customs here that I'm still like in my life that I'm like, oh, I didn't. What? what my... Which is what one of the one, customs? Peter of What was it, what was the most recent one? that I'm like, oh, that's what that means. Oh, shit, it's gonna. Put you on the spot. No, no, no. I, 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 it literally hit me and then it left. One of those where like I, I was with my wife. We were at Father's Day, and we were sitting at the table and I don't remember what was said. And I'm like, oh, that's that's what that means. Something about the way food is made. I think. Uh, It'll come back to me. But anyway, the point the point is, we were just sitting there with her family, and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know, I didn't know what that that's what that meant." The funniest one I always talk about in my stand up bit, in my comedy set, is like finding out what a lazy Susan was. I'm like, "What the fuck? It's a lazy Lazy girl named Susan. Like, why is this called a lazy Susan? Like, where'd that come from?" So, like, even that was just like little things like that or in my on my Instagram I have this thing called white people shit mm-hmm. right where, where I did take pictures of like I live with roommates who are white I'm like man white people are fucking weird <laughs> like stockings what the hell is yeah. a stocking like <laughs> why, yeah. why does this happen you know or or, or like the uh, Hispanics at least I don't know if other cultures do but we put our pots and pans in the oven because we don't really bake that much and so, like, that's where we store them because there's room in there. And so, if we do have to bake. We just take them out of the oven for a little bit and put them back in once it's cool because that's extra storage right there, baby. Like, why wouldn't you use that? <laughs> but I don't know that, they do that white people, I should pull it up on my screen White people name their towels hand towels, face towels, foot towels, beach towels, body towels, head towels, like yeah. baby towels. Like, you're not doing fuck? that just it's a towel damn it dry yourself like what are you doing same thing for pots and pans there's there's a saucer there's a pot yeah. there's a like
0: you guys have, you
1: don't have those or you- we do but like growing up as an immigrant like you don't you grow up poor so it's like just it's the fucking pot. Just put it in the you know like it's just, yeah. Give me that towel. No, if it's a towel, it's a towel. If it dries you, it dries you. It's a towel. You yeah. <laughs> don't have time yeah. to say beach towel. Oh my! Uh, I've had girlfriends and or my wife sometimes would be like, oh, don't use that. That's a beach towel. I'm like what? What's the difference? Okay. Like, does it does it yeah. matter? She goes, well, that one's for when you. And I guess there's, Now, here's the thing. To its credit, and to the credit of what it is, and, and this is kind of the point is, there's a reason for that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? There's a reason why there's a beach towel and a face towel because one of them's softer and it doesn't have the fucking thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, like, and ah, it's way I bigger. Know. You can lay on it on the beach. So exactly, the but it's like, yeah. but in my hand, I'm like more drying, more drying because it's bigger. Yeah. you know what I mean. So, yeah. like little things like that, where mm-hmm. you just kind of start learning. I'm trying to think. It was something like ah, it, the one. It was really funny because I'm like, oh, that's what that means. I didn't know that. That's what I lived twenty, you know, twenty nine years of my life. I didn't know that's what that meant here in in the United yeah. States. So, once it comes to me, I'll, I'll text it to you because I yeah, yeah I'll My wife, remember every time. There's things like that. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: I feel like when as a almost as like a civilization or as you grow it in socioeconomics, you realize you need to have more things and you have to relabel. Things. Yeah, like. Growing up, I did not come from money whatsoever. So a towel is a towel, like you're saying. But as I've made more money and I've gone to buy things or decorate my house differently, it's like, well, I can't have that. You have to divert, have to have different yeah, things, has to but be, yeah. it has to be specific. And you're just like, the marketer or the guy that came up with this to come up with redesigning something so stupid and simple as a towel, kudos to him. Way, Capitalism. Him. Capitalism <laughs> is finest. There's always a market. So, oh, this has been great, Andres. I, I appreciate this has been really great. And it's, oh, yeah, I'm ha- happy, yeah. happy to be here. So- I, I got, all,
1: I get as much time as you need. So you, yeah, you can go and yeah. I can go as long I, as you need or as short okay. as you need.
0: I've got about 50 more minutes, but a bit, sure. so two questions I really want to hit on. One of them is a big wrap up question is, so third culture, you know, you're kind of in between right now. I think about, not to be about myself, but I think about myself, how I'm four generations in. What was something- that you would be thinking about as you think about your grandkids that will great, great grandkids, I mean, great, 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 great grandkids that are going to be born here. What's something you would want them to be viewing the world or seeing things through that you always want them to be able to carry with you and know?
1: I, I would say specifically that, you know, your identity isn't, it is not its not shouldn't be attached to like a country or a, or what you do for work or what mm-hmm. you do, you know, you know, your identity is, I would say, explore your identity, <laughs> whether regardless of what that means to them at the time. I mean, it could be relevant differently, you know, in yeah. 100 years or whatever. But like what I would say is, you know, part of the part of the problem and I, and again, I might get some heat from this from immigrants or whatever people people from me, but. I've, I've talked about this with my mom sometimes and my parents as we, as we kind of grew up here. And my parents do a lot of work for immigrants. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we are coming, uh, immigrants are coming to a place that is not their home, mm-hmm. right? And on the other hand, people are coming because they need to. And it's important. And this is a great place to come to work and to do stuff and to, and to survive and to thrive, right? So this goes out to both ends of this, you know non-immigrants and immigrants even though we're all immigrants but the if you attach your identity so hard to where you're from it's going to be impossible for or it's going to be a lot harder for you to progress in an ever-changing environment right so Mm -hmm. so for example as a colombian the more we hung tightly onto colombia and we did sometimes the harder was to assimilate here And the more we hung on, on the other hand, the more people hang on to U.S. values or what they perceive to be U.S. values, the harder they're going to build walls, both literally and figuratively, for people that come here. Hmm. Because the, so so all of that to say, it's it's don't let your worth, don't let your, it's okay to be proud of where you're from and it's okay to, and, and to be proud of the heritage and look back on the lineage, but if the, if my grandkids were listening to this, I would say you're not Colombian and you're not from the United States. You're neither, Like that's not that doesn't define you as a person. You just have to do the best with what the opportunity that you have. That's really the legacy that my family, my parents have left behind. Is look, this is this is this is the th- the hands that the cards that we were dealt. This is the 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 lemons that we were given. Right. So mm-hmm. sometimes you can go make lemonade. Sometimes you can say "fuck this," I want better lemons. Sometimes you can add a little, you know, tequila to the lemonade. Sometimes, but the the point is, like, do do with what you know, and what you have. That's the, the only thing you can really do is the best that you got with what you know. And so, don't get so attached to this idea of uh, of of patriotism, right? But on both sides, because because the, the problem is sometimes people come here, and they think this is Colombia. And it's like, no, it's not. You can't do the same shit, both good or bad. Like, regardless mm-hmm. of the reason. Like you can't just come here and pretend like you you don't you don't have to follow the fucking rules here.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Because you're you're in a stranger's home. It's like if someone comes over to your house and just, you know, shits on your bed because you shit on your bed at home. No, that there's a toilet for that, right? They have rules yeah. here. On the other hand, if you're the host, you can't just be like Oh, I don't. I'm inviting you over, but don't speak in that language, like because it's like. Also, you're inviting people in to live here permanently, right? And so your house is gonna change. It's Mm kind of like when you get married. This is the same thing. (laughs) When my 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 wife and I got married, but I moved into her place because she had the room and her roommate had moved out. And Mm -hmm. so, as we got here. It, you know, things changed around this place, around, around our own home. Like the, the the things were up on the on the art, some of my stuff had to move in, right? I had a better TV, mm-hmm. she had a better, like, so it's the same thing. It's kind of when you get a roommate, it's like, okay, well you can't have your house like you have it anymore because you've permanently moved someone in. You have to mm-hmm. kind of like go of some of your, of some of what it looks like now for the mm-hmm. better, because you got to trust that the people that are coming are gonna make it better for you. That's why you let them in in the first place, right? And so that's what I mean. Like don't, don't get attached yeah. to that identity either on either way because it would be also shitty for me to think oh we're gonna i'm gonna move in here and this house is gonna look like i wanted to no Mm -hmm. asshole like my wife lives here too it's our house now right so i would say it's very similar to that so it's when you get married if you're attached to your own identities it's gonna be a shitty marriage whereas if you're here to combine and make it a good strong marriage it's gonna be Mm -hmm. a great marriage right that's in the same idea it's the same it's the same idea on both ends right let Mm -hmm. go a little bit of your culture because you're here otherwise you Mm should have stayed right? But also they go a little bit of your culture because they're here and you let them in and you, wa- mm-hmm. and you should welcome them because they have a lot to offer. So I would say that's, I th-
0: that's my th- I think finding that balance is probably the hardest part for both sides, right? Because there's certain things that yeah. have made America great and there's certain things that have made America really bad. It's like, how do you find the give and take on both sides is really crucial. So from coming from where you came from, this is one of my favorite questions. From coming from where you came from, leaving Brazil after being basically not kicked out, but if you stayed there, you would have died now in the states where you have a limited opportunity how do you live in light of that do you feel like there's a sense of urgency because of yeah. your past do
1: you yeah feel there's, like pressure. That- there's pressure there's pressure because my parents because of this mm-hmm. fact <laughs> like you did that it, it it's it's kind of the same feeling different but same same of i guess i don't know if this has happened to you yet or not but it might but so my dad was 28 when he had me mm-hmm. 28 years old so i'm 29 and i don't have kids and so yeah. when you get to the age when your parents were when they had you, you're like, shit, like yep. my dad was having kids at this point. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you're fucking nuts. Right. And then, so it's, I'm now, and then, so seven years from now, or I guess now, cause I'm a year older. So six years from now, the thought of me having a business that I was going to have to leave because I was going to get murdered and move to like Canada for, and I'm like, how, how, how the, how the fuck did you do? So that it's kind of like that same pressure of like, you think of it, like, I'm a little bit behind, or I got to make sure that this wasn't for nothing, mm-hmm. um, and so there there is that pressure of I hope I don't let you down. No, I hope I hope I can accomplish half of what you did, you know, because, damn, like the bar mm-hmm. was set pretty high. <laughs> how, how do you go to your dad and go, "Hi, Dad, life was hard at school today in the United States"? Because, and I know that because I lived through some of it, right? But it's, yeah. like, it's just hopefully but then but then to answer that so then i'm we had a we had a my my so march 2021 book was published and then may my nephew's born and he (laughs) that's the nephew that made my my parents grandparents like that was the (laughs) first one in the of the three kids that that they had no wow so he's like the first next generation Mm -hmm. which is also a really weird moment right because he's the first one that like it's like we came here we're all immigrants except for my, my brother julian was born here but it's still different because he was still with us he was still part of the story right but this baby is like the new generation hmm. and that's the first like he's going he's the one that's he's the first one that gets to say my grandpa moved here and my dad yeah. right but my my grandpa was you know my dad was a baby my kid right so th- that has a certain weight or like importance on the, on the on the line of and my kids the same way right because that's the next generation and so When he was born, my brother, my brother is doing well in life as well. Mm -hmm. And he he has, he's financially stable and he's, I mean, he owns several properties. He's well, he's doing well, really well. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm like, man, we were talking about that when he was born. He goes, dude, (laughs) the shit, now that I'm a dad, he says, and I look at what he's able to grow up in versus what we had even, Mm -hmm. and then go up one more generation versus what our dad grew up in. Like how life can change and, you know, Fifty years, like it's such mm-hmm. a fucking ma- massive change, and so we feel the pressure. And then when I have kids, I'm gonna feel the pressure of making sure my kids, you know, understand that. Which is a large part of what I wrote. Why I wrote this was like I, this is important that you know mm-hmm. what ha- went in, so you don't take it for granted either, right? Because mm-hmm. that's gonna breed that same stupid patriotism. If, if I don't give this to you, it's gonna breed some, some mm-hmm. patriotism that four generations down the line, some ass you're are your, are lineage, one of our assholes, Gamboas, is gonna say, why are they come here illegally? And it's like, who the yeah. fuck are you like how can you <laughs> possibly say that? Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like that will not happen. So I think that 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 pressure to like carry it and pay it forward is, is huge for sure. Hmm. That's good. Sorry for that answer. No,
0: I I appreciate that. That's what I want. That's what I want to hear. So fill us in. what do you do now? You're, you're here in the States, what was it you
1: do for? Yeah. So I am taking over the world, starting with myself, and that's a battle every day. But I work, I, I own a podcast, I own the Ponytails Tales podcast. Mm-hmm. I, it was started with a buddy of mine named Nick Taverty, and uh, we interview people who sell books, or used to sell books door-to-door. Mm-hmm. So that's what, you and our common connection was Will Metro? I met yeah. him in college doing that same program. It's like one of the oldest internships in the United States, and they hire like thousands of book kids or kids to go sell educationals. Like books door to door and then they go it's kind of like a cult it's not really but it's it's not it's not a cult but it's not not you know what i mean it's it's yeah. it's weird it's a weird weird thing but anyway long story it's funny because my brother still works at the company but very very long story short is i take I, I i go find. we're not affiliated with that company at all but i go find people who did this because there's hundreds and thousands of them and i have them come on my show and talk about what the hell happened and how it was because it's funny stories man dude when you go door yeah. to door you meet some weird people so they come and tell those stories on the show and i just that's what i get to do i run that so that's, oh, my, that's, that, that's my job
0: for everyone listening i encourage you to go listen it's a pretty good podcast that's it's a, good. not pretty good it's a really good podcast and just hearing you guys' stories are so great it's everything you'd expect a door-to-door sales job for a college kid to be like in my yeah. as i was listening to it it kind of reminds me of, it's I feel like mine was not as entertaining. I did an internship with Northwestern Mutual for two years before I went on after that. But as you're hearing some of the things you guys were, have talked about on your podcast, I'm like, I remember that. And then texted other buddies who did the internship and be like, dude, you should listen to this podcast. It reminds me of it. it's, it's very fun. It's good. It's really good.
1: So <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate that. Hey, we're on we're on all the we're on all the platforms if yeah. you guys want to catch a glimpse of it. I hope you like it. But it's it is kind of niche, but I figured yeah. if Tiger King became popular, then this can too way better than tiger king way better than tiger king fill me in question around the door-to-door sales
0: uh i imagine you were there was a lot of fear when you were coming to the country right or coming to the us they i think you referenced this in the book the fear of doing door-to-door sales how what was that like
1: you know when you get recruited there's different like ways of doing it you know but the way i saw southwestern because it's hard it's not not the hardest thing i've ever done but it's it's hard i mean it's not easy Mm -hmm. either but it was the first at that point i was 18 going into my first summer of college after my first year of college and they painted it i mean there was money involved you know you can make a lot of money relatively yeah. doing it and all this stuff but really what hooked me was the people that i that that were presenting and i'm like ah man if i can learn to be a little bit more like that that'd be sweet because this is like cream of the crop people that get to go do this and the people that make it are pretty sharp people but then the people that do well at it are sharp like you know so it kind of it they they compare the internship to like the marines but for sales kind of because right? it's it, it, you know it on the resume it looks good there's on my show there's been multiple stories of people who like because they did this they got their job because they were like people like yeah. they couldn't believe that they worked 80 hours a week <laughs> so <no. laughs> but anyway so to give you so I'm saying all that because the in my life heart surgery moving here right dealing becoming a citizen and at that point I wasn't quite yet a citizen but I didn't choose that. Like they just got like life happened and I had to like deal with it. But this is the Mm -hmm. first time I was like, Oh, now I can do something hard for me. Like I can go prove to myself that, you know, that I also can go do something hard and it's kind of has to do with that pressure that we were talking about, about like, you know, doing better than our parents type of vibe. Mm -hmm. But, but like in my head, I'm like, man, if I can go do this, if I can really do this and excel at this, that that's just proof and evidence for me. It doesn't mean I'm going to be president or anything like that, or that I'm, I'm a badass person, but it just means that I can put myself through something difficult and myself do it and, and mm-hmm. thrive and survive and, and do well. And so that was kind of the motivation. It was it was the first challenge in my life that I chose for me. And really mm-hmm. that evidence is the evidence that gave me like everything that I've done since in some way can be traced back to the things I learned doing this, that program. Good, I mean, there's imperfections and we talk about it on my show for sure, like about some of the negatives of the, of, of the program itself. But when we're from a sheer like pound for pound credit where credit is due, like just even the process of writing this book in two months, didn't seem hard because of the principles that I had learned by doing the, yeah. the program. Where I'm like, I know how I can do this because I've done hard things before and this is just another hard thing. Ended up being the hardest, but like I knew I could do it because I had a plan and the plan worked. That's, That's kind of awesome. where it lays in my yeah. perspective. So it gives you that
0: belief of you've done tough things. This isn't as tough as those things. I'm not going to die from this. Hopefully I'm not going to die from this. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I but, you you've yeah. faced death before, so it's like no, yeah. then, so ain't, this ain't yeah. shit. But but yeah. but it's
1: the first one I choose, right? It's the first yeah. one I like. Nobody's gonna knock on the door for me. My dad's not gonna knock on the door for me. No. You know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one facing the rejection. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be the one that's gonna get grilled or put, I had guns pointed at me when I was yeah. doing it. I, you know, all sorts of stories. But but like when you do that 80 hours a week in the summer straight commission no no guarantees door to door it's it's brutal fight or flight baby
0: fight or flight that's right oh i love it love it
1: it's a crazy experience
0: Oh, oh this has been great i appreciate this one thing we're very passionate about is giving and being able to help impact other people obviously by sharing your story we hope that this impacts and helps people see the world a little differently and understand what their ancestors have given to them to be able to give to other people. But one thing that we also are big fans of is monetary giving and being able to help impact other things. So one thing we like to do is allow our guests to spotlight a non-for-profit or a charity that's impacted them. Ideally, it's something that's helped impact them on their way of coming to this country or something that impacts the country they're from. But fill me in, and Andres, where, what comes to mind? Do you mind if I take
1: like five minutes to explain this? Please do. Yeah. Bit? Okay. So so one of the things you mentioned was my dad, when he talks about paying it forward and, mm-hmm. and doing that, there's two ways that we did that. I'll, I, I'll highlight the main one, but but or actually they were both important. But one of them is we house people when they came here. So, like, family members or otherwise, friends of friends of friends who came here, we housed them for sometimes weeks, sometimes a week, sometimes months, sometimes a year or so. People who, like, needed to get on their feet so they wouldn't have to go through what we went through. And so that was one thing. But another thing that was really, really major that my family did, and this is is to answer your question, is... We soccer is a big part of our lives and my, my dad. Right. And so in sports in general, but like just the idea of sports of teamwork and hard work, discipline, yada, yada, yada. And my dad took us to soccer camp and, and no, I know if it's her, she did great, but it was just some white lady that was, that was just coaching these kids because she was a soccer mom and she was trying her best. Right? Yeah. and My dad quickly found out that the level of competition that he wanted us to play in had to be different than what this was, just a regular rec league for the Grand Islands. If we wanted to play like a big time to try to make it into college or to just really like go, he was going to have to, we were going to have to do it. Now in Nebraska, there—you in, in any state, you have to pay to play at these clubs have to pay mm-hmm. to go and be like all right i want my kid to play at this level at the higher level and it's ex- fucking exp- and it's expensive a lot of immigrant parents can't afford it so you have right. all these kids who are super talented who can't make it so we started a nonprofit. i remember i helped my dad write the grant and we started a nonprofit organization that essentially helped kids fund their way into being able to play sports play soccer and so um it was a classic like cool running story we show up to our first game we have like shingars that are like out of cardboard t-shirts with sharpie markers that we wrote like the numbers yeah. on right we're like two parents stuff the kids in the car and like you look at the other side and these fucking white kids have like you know adidas gear the tent with the mist and the capri suns and the orange slices and the fucking july C they're all six gear. foot two or they just look like yeah. Too awful. We we had to play a couple of ages up because we didn't have a solid group, so we had to like mm-hmm. go by the oldest two kids, who you know. But when the whistle blew and the game started, oh boy. We danced, and so yeah. that turned from like the eight original ones. We called it Inter for international, which is also based on a team called Inter Inter Milan. But that was the play on words. It's because we had Mexicans, Guatemalans, Colombians, Amer- you know, natural born United States citizens, African people from Africa, from you know Somalia. Like, all pick a country in Africa. We had probably one from there. <laughs> like, it, you know, it, 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 we had yeah. it was like a mixed group of international. <laughs> so that's what we called it, Inter, Inter, Grand Island Inter, and we went from that to the next milestone was adidas we won we fucking would destroy people <laughs> and <laughs> as the competition got you, you uh. would like get moved up in divisions and so by the time we were older we were playing like tougher games we wouldn't always we wouldn't always crush people but you know mm-hmm. would win win often and so yeah. adidas caught wind of this and they sent us money and so oh, then we cool were all of a sudden we went from that to like now everybody gets adidas gear and everybody gets mm-hmm. all this stuff and so on and so forth now the organization uh, my dad has since been uh, he removed himself from it once we kind of Left high school mm-hmm. and graduated, but it's like a whole organization that is ran. And it I think it's like 150 kids now of a different age level, starting from like the young, young, young ones all the way up to like. And they just won the state tournament last week. Like my dad posted pictures out of the original like. 25 or no, sorry the original 40 after the first second like once we became an official nonprofit and stuff or the original kid 26 of them went to college half of them it was like a full ride like hmm. it, it changed the dynamic of the of the of the town grand island became known for soccer for having like we became the, like we were like the like the ugly girl at the dance like nobody wanted art to turn with us like that yeah. kind of vibe we were kind of like the bama in a way I just, <laughs> uh, we were kind of like, I'm probably, you know, hyperbole here, but the point is it, it became a thing where it's like, oh mm-hmm. fuck, we're playing insert today, right? And yeah. there, were, there were teams that we didn't want to face either. I'm not saying we we're like, mm-hmm. oh, but but yeah. we were super competitive. A lot of kids, there was a group of kids that got to go play in England for a little bit. Oh, and wow. came back like to go like have an experience to go play against teams in England. And it's just, I don't even know at this point how big it is. I mean, it's honestly mm-hmm. gotten much bigger. So that would be the place I would say, because a lot of those kids are immigrants. Mm-hmm. And so, and and it's a really good opportunity. I can, I don't the the foundation is McDee's, but I don't know exactly where they take donations from. But if you guys want, you can always just contact me. You can find me on Instagram ARGBMF. That's my initials, ARGBMF. And so you can find me there, message me, and I can put you in touch. Or once I get, I can ask him for the link, and we can put it in the yeah. description. Yeah. Yep.
0: To. I'll put those in the show notes. If you send us the link, we'll put that in the show notes and be able to get that yeah. thing. So there. I would
1: say I would say go there because they, they those kids always. I mean, they're always looking for funds, right? Yeah. And the more the more funds, the more kids they can help they have a facility now that's being built it's currently on so cool. construction it's a whole fucking thing dude it became a th- yeah. like a solid thing so i would that would be the place i would say to to. Right. i
0: love it i think it's great so we'll put that in the show notes and hopefully we can have an impact in their world so awesome yes sir well well thank you for your time thank you for your story thank you for your parents story and uh
1: yeah we'll look forward to talking again soon for sure if you guys want the books on amazon you can yeah. find it by name across of course. the citizenship we can google it as well if someone listening also has a podcast and they'd like to talk about book writing or whatever i'm always open to talk i'm a fan of podcasting so always here to support and then good luck Good luck on the. i don't know how many episodes you've recorded or, or at this point and this you're still building it out so but either way good luck on, on 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 the growth and and moving forward and it's a cool it's a cool thing to be a part of it's a cool yeah. medium to Talking. These conversations are important. So glad you're doing. I, pre-
0: I appreciate it, man. This has been uh It's been very fun and eye-opening so far. So it's been really yeah. good. And we'll have the link to your book to the Amazon
1: page for that as well. So cool. Awesome. Yeah, check it out. Oh, and go check awesome. out Will Metcher. Go talk to Will Do Metcher. It. He's the shit. There we go. Yes, sir. See you guys. All right. Bye.